It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in here. You're, of course, listening to Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I am Jared Scally, as always. And don't forget, engage with your favorite sports podcast on CLNS Radio. We have partnered with Reached to develop a brand new way to talk about your favorite sports teams with all of your friends. Go to reachedapp.com backslash CLNS and download the app for iOS or Google Play today and choose your favorite group and invite all of your friends to join you. So again, just go to reachedapp.com backslash CLNS and sign up. It's simple, it's easy, it's fun to use, it's interactive. Jess and I every week get questions going up there. I was sorry for the lack of questions this week. Um, Jess has not been around and I've been kind of busy. Uh, Jess is no, not with me today. This is a solo show today, so it's just me. I will be joined by Ben Shapiro of MassLive.com in just one second. Uh, before we bring him on, though, again, I just want to remind you that Jess is not here this week, but you can find us on Twitter at... Red Sox Beat on Facebook at Red Sox Beat. We also just made a Tumblr page, so you can now find us on Tumblr. Yes, Tumblr, the good old blogging website, Tumblr. Uh, if you search Red Sox Beat, you'll find us there. We have, we actually made an email address this week as well. So if you have if you're an email user, heavily email user, you can email us questions um, at Red Sox Beat CLNS at gmail.com. Had to, almost forgot what it was. Had to remember there. But uh, yeah, of course, you can hit us there as well. You can hit me at me and Jer, uh, Jess on Twitter as well. So without further ado. I am now joined by Ben Shapiro, or at Red Sox Monster of MassLive.com. Talks all things Red Sox, of course. Um, ben, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm um, doing good as of late. The Red Sox playing a little better. Still five and a half games back in the division, though, unfortunately, because the, the rest of the division decided to win this week, too. So um, who knows what's going on with that. But first, I just want to ask you, last week they went five and two. Again, like I said, they didn't make too much ground up, but... Do we consider this a win in the last week, or, or are we still worried considering the, the rest of the season and the way it's gone? Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, uh, winning record on the week. You got a number of good starts out of, uh, first of all, the second start by Eduardo Rodriguez had to be the most encouraging thing, right? Because you've got a young pitcher. Uh, it's the first start out of the way. It was very impressive. You know after that first start, the twins were, were, you know, pouring over video, trying information, saying, look, uh, you know, it's a young guy. He's going to go out. Maybe he'll make some mistakes. Uh, the twins were playing very good baseball. And, and the Red Sox were able to, uh, to to put together a few wins against the twins. And uh, even though the, the 
you know, the, the loss in the second game of the doubleheader was frustrating. You still have to like the fact that they were able to win the game Rodriguez started and that he started and, and pitched very well, really. A home run to Brian Dozier being his only uh, real mistake that day. So I, I think that there's no way around taking a positive off the week. Uh, this five and a half games out of first place is is not bad. In fact, if if you told a lot of people the Red Sox to be under 500 in early June, most would probably assume they were a lot further than five and a half out. What um you mentioned uh, Rodriguez, and I'm I'm going to ask you about him now because you brought him up. What have you thought about him so far? Obviously, he's been great. Um, do you think he's going to be able to sustain this? Because if so, that means the Orioles really gave us a steal. Well, uh, he's not going to be able to maintain his uh, his. You know, I don't think he's going to give up one run every two starts. That's uh, a pretty a pretty uh, high standard, and he's set the bar pretty high for himself. But he does have the looks of a guy that can definitely be a consistently effective major league starter. Uh, people talk about the deceptive delivery. He's got some good velocity, uh, a good changeup. Uh, he's a, he's a good young pitcher, and and yes, uh, I do think that uh, in spite of all, you know, Ben Charrington has. Uh, made plenty of moves that people could question, but I, I believe that that Andrew Miller for Eduardo Rodriguez trade will go down as one of his better ones. And even if Rodriguez, you know, goes through a period of, of downtime and ends up as, let's say, a, a number three or number four starter, a solid but not spectacular big league starter, all the Red Sox gave up was two months of Andrew Miller in a season when, his contributions were really no longer needed given their place in the standings. So you're talking about getting something for next to nothing. Do you like the Stephen Wright move to the bullpen? Because obviously someone had to get off this rotation eventually, considering the way Erod was pitching. Do you like Stephen Wright going into that long reliever role? Well, I think he certainly made a good case for himself yesterday. Anytime you put a knuckleball pitcher in the bullpen, you have the advantage of, you know, knuckleball pitchers tend to be pretty durable. So, uh, if the Red Sox do get back-to-back bad starts out of someone, uh, Wright's the kind of guy they could use for two innings in one game and maybe two innings the next game as well, or two or three innings even. Uh, that That's obviously a plus, but uh, the real the real issue is going to be whether or not he performs in that role, because just because it makes sense to put him in that role doesn't mean that he performs in it. But uh, yesterday was very encouraging. Uh, yesterday you said obviously Wright pitched well, but the whole team kind of was kind of meh until that eighth inning where they decided to wake up and have a little life in them. Do you, do Can we as Red Sox fans look forward to this team kind of using that as a spark moving forward, or is this going to turn into what that Angels series was a couple weeks ago where they took those two games we all looked going into last week or two weeks ago as a spark plug for that, and then they lost. They won like one game the entire week the following week. So well, which that, way is this, is this team going to go coming going back to Baltimore now? It does look like a few things are clicking for them. Uh, you know, in, in April, the pitching was abysmal, but the offense was pretty good. In May, uh, the pitching actually improved dramatically, but the offense disappeared. And so here we are in June, and now you're seeing the pitching is still looks pretty solid. It's certainly not, you know, the best staff in baseball, but it's, uh, it's no longer laughably bad the way it was for periods of time in April. And uh, yeah, all true. of a sudden, the, the offense is, is coming around, right? Uh, you've got Bogart swinging the bat pretty well. Pedroia has been fantastic, uh, and, and having him at the top of the order has been has been has added value to his already good play. Um, Ortiz is still struggling, but he has looked better since the, you know taking those few days off. 
Andy Ramirez has refound his power stroke. Napoli is still struggling. Sandoval certainly had his ups and downs, but you, you do have some offensive bright spots in that lineup. Uh, look, this is going to be a big test coming up because, uh, you know, you can talk about how the Orioles are the only team worse than the Red Sox and the AL East all you'd like, but uh, the Red Sox are 12-17 and 17 on the road this year. So it doesn't really matter who they're playing on the road. They've struggled. They're going on the road to play a Baltimore team that, that they really should be able to beat if you, if you look at the trajectory of the two teams. But can they do it on the road? And that's, that's going to be a big test. And if the Red Sox can take, say, two out of three in Baltimore, then I, I do think there's reason to think that, that this team has sort of turned the corner. Man, do I hope you're right, because I do not want another lost summer. It's only June, and I'm already getting sick of watching this sometimes. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like if they keep losing. Um, but you brought up Xander and how he's doing well, along with Pedroia, obviously. And I love Pedroia at the leadoff hole, by the way. I want to throw that out there, too. I love Pedroia hitting leadoff. He's working well, because clearly Mookie Betts wasn't working well there. But um, Xander Bogarts has been hitting extremely well. His defense has obviously gotten a lot better this year. But why – and this is a huge pet peeve I've had. I've mentioned it the last couple of weeks on this show, Ben – of why in the world is Xander Bogarts not consistently batting above, at least five in this lineup. Whenever he seems to get a couple hits, they put him back to six or seven. Why is he not batting two, if not like five? Well, first of all, I think it, it, it is valuable to have a, a bat at the end of your lineup that isn't an automatic out. There's nothing, wrong with, there's nothing wrong with having a guy hit late in the lineup uh, who, who, who presents pitchers with a little bit of an obstacle. On top of that, um, look, with younger players, and the Red Sox and, and Xander Bogarts especially, both experienced this last year, sometimes you want to just give them consistency, right? Do we really need to, as soon as Bogarts starts swinging hot bat, does that mean we just automatically move them up in the batting order and, and tinker with the success? Look, it feels like he's been around for a while, and he, and he has, but we're still talking about a 22-year-old guy and most of the time, with most major league players, you're talking about a minimum of 500 to 1,000 at-bats at the big league level before they start to hit their stride. And Bogarts right now is at, I believe, uh, I'm looking at 771 at-bats yep. in the majors. He may be finally starting to hit his stride and, and become the hitter that a lot of people figured he would be when he was posting outrageously good minor league numbers and gracing you know, top 10 prospect lists from Baseball Prospectus and MLB.com and ML, uh, Baseball America and all the, the big names. Uh, so why, why tinker with that now? you still got a guy, you're kind of waiting to see the power come around, I think. And, and I do think that will come around because as he gets more comfortable making contact, eventually the contact, I believe, will become more solid and he'll start to drive the ball better. And you'll see more hits like you saw yesterday. That, that double, of course, would have been a home run in a lot of baseball parks. People talk about the advantage of the green monster in that situation, that ball may have been out of some ballparks, but you know, in, in Fenway, it was just a, a double off the wall. Uh, he is being to drive the ball a little bit. And, and look, I think if he gets, you know, at his best, he will be a guy that hits 300 and hits 20 to 25 home runs. And then the RBIs and runs will be dictated by where he hits in the batting order. And, and he will start to move up that batting order. But for now, you've got him hitting well, you've got him in a comfort zone. I don't see any reason to tinker with it. What would be the reason then? Are you okay with John Farrell throwing Pablo Sandoval the way he's been terrible at the plate? And that's why he had those last couple of games off just to get his head clear. Apparently, I don't even know. But he went right back in his normal sixth spot. Napoli's been hitting fifth as terribly as he's hitting. I don't think his average is above 220 at the moment. I don't know exactly what it is. But 
those two haven't been hitting that well, and I that's why that's why I plead the argument of at least let Xander hit behind Hanley. Well, they're not th- those guys are not young players though. You're not worried so much about tinkering with them as you are worried about them just finding the stroke that they've both had before, right? They they've had sustained periods of major league success, uh, so they they ultimately know that the game is a game of there, there are ebbs and flows to the game. Most players, the majority of of Major League Baseball players go through protracted slumps. Only the very, very best Major League players don't go through a few months in their career where they're just abysmal. Um, and, and so those guys are obviously elite, but neither Napoli or Sandoval are of that ilk. And I believe that the Red Sox, uh, at this point, feel like Napoli and Sandoval, they, they do both have hot streaks coming, and they're just trying to ride it out until they get to that point. Do you believe Nap's going to get better? Do you believe he can get out of this? Because it's been a while now since he's really hit. I mean, obviously since last year, but it's, his numbers have been pretty low all year. Yeah, they have. Look, he's not that old, but he has had injuries, and I believe that you know a, a year without good sleep probably has a pretty. <laughs> it, it probably does have a pretty significant effect on on anyone uh, anyone's quality of life and quality of work. So I believe that he does have some good days in front of him. You're not talking about a guy that's 39, 40, 40 years old or something like that. He's 33, and and so I just think that he's going to have to get back in a zone, and he will get back in that zone. And the thing about Napoli is once he's back in that zone, everyone's going to love the guy because he hits moonshots when he's when he's swinging the bat well. So I believe the Red Sox will, at to this point, they'll continue to wait it out, and especially – if the team starts to win, then they're going to definitely wait it out because, uh, you know, if he's not costing them games all the time, uh, you know, then then I think they've got a little bit more leeway. All right. So clearly Napoli is on your radar to stay and just kind of work it out. What do you think the Red Sox plan is with Hanley Ramirez? I know Pablo Sandoval hasn't really done much, but he's and defensively he's kind of sucked, and that's kind of why he got those two days off. But it seems like Hanley has the vote of this team playing in left field. Um, one, because he's finding his bat again, which is the reason why he's been out there and the reason why they pay, paid him so much to come back to Boston. But can he really stay in left field the rest of this year, especially if this team starts to get a little inching closer to contending? Because he's god-awful to watch out there. Uh, the rest of the year, I think he's going to be the left fielder for a, a bunch of it. But going forward, I'm not so sure about that. Look, uh, you can't just snap your fingers and create another deal uh, similar to what Charrington did in 2012. If, if they decide that Sandoval, for instance, is just not the right fit in Boston, they're not going to be able to just, you know, dial up a, a GM and say, hey, uh, you want to take this this five-year contract worth just about $100 million off our hands on this guy that just is not performing that well for us? Uh, you're not going to get a ton of takers unless you're willing to do something similar to what the Dodgers did with with uh, Matt Kemp or what the Rangers did with Josh Hamilton, and that is eat a very large portion of the contract. So I believe that they're going to have to figure out what to do with these guys and hope they come around for this season. Now, going forward, uh, look, I-, I think Napoli could be moved, and I think if the right offer came along in the middle of this season, Napoli could be moved then, especially if he does start to swing the hot bat. Uh, that would make him a more tradable commodity. And then maybe you move Hanley to first base, or you you know you move Sandoval to first base, but then you're still left with uh, Ramirez at third, which I don't think is a great option. So I believe that you know ultimately Sandoval's place is probably as David Ortiz's replacement, 
But that's not going to happen this year, and I'm not sure it's going to happen next year either. So in the meantime, the Red Sox are going to have to sort of fit the proverbial square peg in a round hole in the field with him. Do you think the Red Sox plan on Hanley playing first base next year? Because I know a lot of people said maybe he'll be the DH, and that's what his future might hold. But who knows what, like you said, Pablo Sandoval could potentially be a DH too because you know how many years he has left at third base. The way Napoli's been playing, and obviously his contract's up, you could, if you can get something for him and make it worth it, could you, you could move Hanley to first base. I think he could handle playing first base. Anyone could handle playing first base. It's not that difficult. It's not, as, it's not quite as easy as everyone seems to think it is. But it's not left but field for Hanley Ramirez. It's not left field, and I do think that you know if he's going to play the field, I believe that left, uh, first base rather is probably his ultimate destination. I don't really think there's any chance Look, if the Red Sox feel like they have to move Sandoval off third before he turns 30, then they never should have signed him in the first place. Uh, you can make an argument they shouldn't have signed him in the first place. I know I've, I've heard that argument before, but the, the, deal was, the deal was done, and they made it for a reason. I guarantee you when that deal was made, uh, there was no way they were thinking, well, this guy's not going to make it to 30 as a third baseman. So he's, he's the third baseman, and if somehow he collapses, uh, offensively and in the field, then the Red Sox will have to do something they don't want to do, which is eat a contract or just concede that it was a mistake and, and, and try and figure out what to do with him or just have an expensive bench player. But, uh, but I, for now, he's, he is your third baseman and, uh, and you may have to navigate some rough patches with him, but I just, he's not a very movable contract right now. So regardless of how, you know, you as a fan, feel about Sandoval being at third. He, he's definitely there for the foreseeable future. All right, we're talking to Ben Shapiro of MassLive.com again here on Red Sox Beat. Um, they also just got Diazza, who's who played well the, la- the last week that they had him, and he's kind of injected some energy into this lineup. I've heard a lot of talking about potentially, why would you go get a left-handed outfielder if you don't want to take Hanley out of the outfield? What Do you think that Diazza uh, signing has or trading, whatever it was, has anything to do with their future plans with Hanley or to just get extra bats and get some extra help in here? I think it was just simply added depth. You have Nava heading to the DL. I do not think that they feel like, uh, you know, adding Alan Craig back to the 40-man roster is not an option. Uh, Bradley has proven that, you know, he's got a gold glove and a wooden bat. <laughs> not not the wooden <laughs> bat that they use in, in yeah. majors. I'm talking about <laughs> the bat that doesn't function. Uh, yeah. So he's not an option either. So Diazzo is simply a depth signing. I, I, I wouldn't read too much into it or a depth acquisition because it was ultimately a trade, but would not read much more into it than than what he's been so far, which is a guy that is going to fill in and, and, you know, he's going to run the bases, provide a decent glove, uh, you know, spell someone maybe late in the game or something like that. But he, he will not be a permanent fixture, barring, of course, a series of injuries on the Red Sox. Okay, this is going to be a bold question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Did the Red Sox miss on Rusne Castillo, or is it too early? It's just too early to tell. The the one thing that I think you have to be worried about is the durability, the inability yeah. to stay healthy. Uh, that that's the one thing that I think could make it a a miss. Is look, <laughs> you may never you, you're never going to know if he was going to be great or not if he's hurt every week or two. So that's that's the big deal. But I do feel like until he's spent, uh, you know at least a few months playing consistently to major league level, it's going to be very hard to make any sort of realistic assessment of whether or not that signing was a hit or a miss. 
Uh, I agree. And right now, I mean, he's at ninth. So, I mean, what are you going to do at this point? You kind of have to ride out. He had again, he got the home run the other night to lead the charge in that comeback in the eighth inning. So that's kind of a good sign for him there. All right, Ben. One more question for you before I let you get out of here and get you off the hot seat here. Um, week ahead in the division, got to go to Baltimore, come back and play Toronto, I believe it is. Um, how do you see this week going for the Red Sox? Are they going to use this momentum from the sweep of the A's and this huge rally in the eighth inning last night, or are they going to fall flat on their face again? Well, I have faith in them actually going to Baltimore. I think that they're going to play well down there. I think, first of all, the A's have been a nemesis for this team for the last four or five years, or the A's, or the Orioles have been a nemesis for them. Uh, but I do believe the Red Sox are due to play some good baseball against Baltimore, and Baltimore has not been playing great uh, themselves. That Toronto series is going to be tricky, though, because I know the Red Sox have been pitching well, but that lineup is stacked, and uh, I know Edwin Encarnacion is sitting out right now, but he he killed the Red Sox uh, every time they face him. Jose Bautista is healthy and swinging the hot bat. Jose Reyes is back from an injury. I think he had, like, five stolen bases in three games last week. Uh, this is a team that's really hard to keep off the scoreboard, and so unless the Red Sox can really continue to crush the baseball the way that they were, Late, late late yesterday, uh, I think they're going to have a tough time with Toronto. I'm not saying they're going to have a terrible week, but I, I, it's going to be tough for them to, to, to win out or, or you know, I, I think really dominate Toronto because I just think Toronto's going to put up some runs. Yeah, Toronto has the bats they always have. It's just the pitching that's always kind of hurt them, and it still is. But, uh, again, this is Ben Shapiro of MassLive.com. You can find him on Twitter at Red Sox Monster. It's a good follow. He knows his Red Sox stuff, so definitely go on and check him out. Uh, ben, we appreciate the time as always. Um, again, more than welcome to join us whenever you want, and obviously tweeted us and all that stuff during games. And uh, keep don't definitely stay in touch. Absolutely, thanks for having me on, and uh, have a great week. All right, thank you, Ben. All right, again, that was Ben Shapiro of MassLive.com. I want to thank Ben. Appreciate his time for coming on. Ben was brought to you by Audible Read. CLNS Radio, the CLNS Beat Podcast Series, and Audible are giving you a free audiobook from the world's biggest online library. Simply go to audiblepodcast.com backslash Celtics and get your free Audible book today. All right. Again, thanks to Ben. Again, Jess is not here today. So it's just going to be me rambling on. Hope you enjoy my voice because you're going to hear for the next, like, 25, 30 minutes, depending on how long I can ramble here. But uh, we're going to keep the trend going here without Jess, and we're going to get a little MLB headlines going on, get you caught up. What's going on around Major League Baseball first? A woman was struck in the face by a broken bat at Fenway Park Friday. She is in critical condition, but is expected to be okay. Took a line drive bat to the face. Really bad bleeding, but she's expected to be okay after what was a gruesome situation over there at Fenway Park. Uh, Next, the Astros have called up top prospect shortstop Carlos Carrera. He is expected to start immediately as, as of Monday. Um, this kid's supposed to be great. I'll talk about it more in a second. And finally, the Houston Astros, they, the Astros trend, have announced the last week that they will remove the famous Towels Hill next season and move in, to, in the fences to remove the flagpole that is front, in center field that is in play. Uh, big hazard there. So those are your MLB headlines, and they are brought to you by Lynda.com. Lynda.com, over 4,500 different courses. Uh, taught by a bunch of different experts, so go on there and check it out and get your free 10-day trial just by going to www.linda.com backslash CLNS, and we'll give you 10 days just to try it. If you don't like it, you can stop using it. It's a great service. Jess and I use it all the time. It's great. So go on and check it out. All right. Let me react a little bit to these here because some of these are some of these are gruesome. Some of these are different. Some of those are exciting, so we're going to get to them a little bit here. Uh, first of all, if you're a Red Sox fan, you knew what happened Friday night. Uh, a lady was hit 
in the head with a line drive broken bat. Um, no fences of the part where she was sitting, and they had to stop the game because she was bleeding so bad. They had to get her out of the game. They had to take her on a stretcher, so they took her out over the field. Man, was it bad. It was gruesome to watch. Uh, if you've seen pictures online, it's pretty disturbing to see. And I, I don't know. I just think that maybe I've talked about this with some friends. And, and like, if you're going to put some protection up, maybe, but maybe not. You might need, it might be time for a new ballpark. But besides the protect the discomfort of the blue seats and the grandstands and all this stuff, it might be time for um, a new updated ballpark, a little more security, a little more safety. And you're not going to tear down Fenway because it's a historic landmark. So maybe it's time to uh, get a nice new ballpark there in the water. Uh, if you don't get the Olympics, you can put some of the money towards that if you're Fenway group. And you you kind of make it happen. I, I think this ballpark's getting a little outdated. I know all you Red Sox fans hate me hearing me say it, but maybe it's time to move on from being every day, there every day at Fenway. You can, If you miss it at all, you can still get tours. But this incident obviously is worse than most case scenarios, but I still feel that you, you need something there, and it might be time to move on from Fenway Park. Um, that can be a discussion for another day if it really happens to, um, become an issue, but I don't think it'll happen within, within this ownership group anyway, because I just don't think John Henry wants to be responsible for the, being the, the ownership group that moons this team out of Fenway, because man, they have had some heat on them between Liverpool purchase, the Liverpool purchase and just backing Ben Sherrington and John Farrell and having these losing seasons. I think these, they've got a lot of heat on them, so I don't think they want to be the ones to move the team out of Fenway Park. All right. Uh, Carlos Carrera, this kid, man, Houston, prospect. They, they've been on a skid as of late, the Astros. Uh, Four-game losing streak, I believe it is. This guy is going to be a stud, and he's kind of worked his way up in the last month through AA and AAA, and um, you're going to hear his name. He's got that type of power. He's, he's a great-ranging shortstop defensively. Um, I wouldn't say he's quite Chris, Chris Bryant type, but he's going to be up there with him in terms of the next level of players and next prospects to really become stars in this league, I think. And I think he's going to show it sooner rather than later. I think the Astros are going to really benefit from him being up there, and hopefully that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping for a spark. So hopefully that uh, Carrera kid can uh, pan it down and get it going. I think he will. So keep an eye out for him um, out there in Houston. And again, Houston removing center field hill, Tals Hill as it's known, out there and for next season. They're expecting the construction to be done next year. By next summer, you won't be uh, running up the hill anymore there, Mookie Betts and Ruzne Castillo. Um, you won't have to worry about it. And the stupid pole that's in the middle of center field, that has been one of my biggest pet peeves since I ever discovered that there was a center field hill and a pole in baseball in a major league ballpark. Between the center field pole there, that's in play, and the catwalks in Tropicana down in Tampa. Those are the two biggest pet peeves I have for ballparks in this um, league. And having a pole, I'd almost rather them keep the hill. If they had to choose one, obviously they're getting rid of both. They're moving in the fences, and they're getting rid of the hill. So there'll be shorter fences. They're planning on putting concourses out there for kids to go play and other fans to interact, maybe putting a bar out there. Just something other than what it is now and using the extra space. So we're about where the hill starts, that's about where the fences are going to be um, because they don't, they can't remove the hip, the pole itself. They're just going to move the fences in so it's no longer in play. Um, thank God, though, because, come on, who wants to be playing center field with the fear of, one, a hill to worry about running up if the guy hits it far enough, and two, to run into a pole. What if the guy catches it, runs smack dab up the hill, and goes face first into that pole? I know it's padded, but come on. You can't put a pole in center field. That's not okay, and I've hated that from day one since I knew it was there. It's stupid, and I'm so happy it's not going to be there anymore. I've, I've saw some Houston Astros fans on Twitter who are like, all nostalgia about the hill. Come on. 
Your teammates are going to get hurt. Your team's going to get hurt. The opposing players are going to get hurt. You twist an ankle catching the ball running up the field. You might not make a play because you're worried about a stupid hill in the middle of a baseball field. No. Come on. Let's be done with that now. So uh, thank God that's happening. Again, the Astros are removing the hill and the flagpole from in play. Um, I'm assuming they're going to take down the hill completely. The flagpole or the whatever it is can't be moved, but they're going to move the fences in. Um, and it'll still be hitters ball. It'll be more of a hitters ballpark and all this good stuff. But again, great news coming out of Houston. No more stupid hill and pole in center field in play. Oh, that, that rant's over with. Sorry, had to get that off my chest. I was so happy that was in the news last week, and I, but it came out a couple days after we did the show, so I couldn't really get around to it. But I'm sure Jess will approve it too, and he'll let you know next week when he comes back. But um, all right, so we had a bit of a week here. If you're a Red Sox fan. Um, this is about the time where Jess usually does his lovely recaps. I'm going to do it this week because, you know, I have that ability. It might not be as in-depth as Jess's. I apologize. It might be a little more opinionated. Maybe you like that sort of thing. Hit us up on Red Sox, at Red Sox Beat on Twitter, excuse me, on Facebook, at the new the new email address I made for us here, uh, Red Sox Beat at CLNS at Gmail, on Tumblr now, on Google Plus still. You can hit us almost everywhere now. Don't forget also, we're really asking people to do this for us, is go on iTunes and subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe. More the merrier. Tell your friends if you have if you've done it already. Please, please do it. Help us out. It's a huge favor to us. Um, that being said, if you don't if if you uh, don't like my recap and you want guess just to keep doing it, let us know over social media and over email and et cetera, et cetera. Um, all right. This past week, uh, they went five and two. I told Jess I would do this, so I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give him some credit here on the show. Um, he was he predicted correctly the last week's record. He predicted that they would split with the Twins and sweep the A's. I, I'm pretty sure I verbatim said on this show last week that, Jess, are you nuts? And how? why in the world would you guess that they're going to sweep the A's the way they've been playing? Well, they did it. And they should sweep the A's, let's be honest. I was being kind of a uh, asshat last week. They should be sweeping the A's. They're, they're a minor league team, basically, with the talent they have on that team, or lack thereof. Probably better word to decide, describe it. But Jess was right. They split against the Twins. They swept the A's. Um, went five and two on the week. Capped off by that big eighth inning rally Sunday afternoon there at Fenway. But I'll get to that in a second. First, uh, you started the week off against the Twins. Uh, Monday night was postponed due to rain. With rain here in Boston, it was killer. Thunderstorms. We needed it though, man. The pollen's been awful around him, sneezing like a mother around here. So uh, that was postponed. So they played a doubleheader on Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday though, they played. They played. They won one nothing behind a great, great start. Man, they, they got some pitching in that game, and man, did they need it. Big time. Uh, they won one nothing to start the home stand off right, and, which is big because, you know, this team really needed some, uh, some help here. They really didn't know their identity. They were coming off a rough week um, with the playing against the Rangers. And, look, they needed some, and they had just gotten swept by the Twins in Minnesota. So I think it was huge for them to see this pan out, and it did, and it worked really well. So uh, good for them, good on them for that win. Um, you had a great start, like I said. I forget who pitched that game. Let me, I have it up in front of me. Let me, let me find here for you find people who are listening to me talk. Uh, let's see. First game was Buckholz. Man, oh, yeah, that's right. It was a great start by Buckholz. Uh, Yui Har got the save. Pelfrey had a good game, though, against the Red Sox. I'm not going to deny that. They had a great game. Pelfrey pitched well, but uh, Clay Buckholz got that. Um, just one out better than him. Pelfrey had that one bad pitch, and he kind of went on from there. And... Um, you're really sorry. The only only raw offense was that Ruzne Castillo RBI single, little blooper single to right field there, uh, past the second baseman, and they won one nothing. So we'll take the win there, especially with the way Buckholz had been pitching. Um, moving on now, you had the doubleheader Wednesday, June third, 
uh, Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez, pitching for the second time, and man, did he not disappoint. Again, went seven innings, seven and two-thirds. He went to the eighth inning. Don't know why he did. Um, I think it was. I think he did. Let me look at his line. I don't know why I'm even trying to guess it. I'm just going to pull it up for you. But, man, it was it was another great start by him. The Red Sox won 6-3. Uh, Phil Hughes got the loss on that one. They jumped on Phil Hughes early, getting a run in the first, getting a run in the third, fourth, two in the fifth, and one in the seventh. Minnesota got two in the top of the ninth. It wasn't enough at that point because they were already losing 6-1. to one. Red Sox had 13 hits that game. That was big for them. Uh, Rodriguez's pitching line was seven innings, exactly two hits, one earned run on one, only one run, and gave up that homer. And that was all it was. He only gave up that homer to Dozier, that one bad pitch, and the status line for him basically identical to what he had um, in his first start. So he's in the bar high, like uh, Ben Shapiro said earlier when we talked to him. He's in the bar high, not really going to keep it consistent probably. Hard to say he would be able to do that, but um, look for him to be consistent in this bullpen. I mean, not in the bullpen, in the rotation, and you got to think that he's going to move forward. Uh, next game of that night, you thought, okay, you got two games under your belt. If you can get the third here with Rick Porcello, who's been consistently okay for you, get a little thing going here. Not so much. You lost 2 nothing offense, couldn't put anything up. Next day on Thursday, you want, you lost 8-4 with um, Yui Hara getting the loss. Just tough. But you kind of a collapse on that one. That game was rough. You were winning. You had the game at hand. And that, that was the typical, uh-oh, Red Sox moment. You were up. Going into the top, top of the ninth, you were tied. You ended up losing 8-4. Um, going into the sixth inning, though, you had a pretty comfortable lead. You were up 4-3. You, had a, you, had a, you got a bunch of runs in the first four innings. You got two in the second, one in the third, one in the fourth. You end up going in to the ninth, and Koji gives up the game-winning... Um, it was four... Uh, hold on. I, I'm lost. I'm losing my track here. Um... You were up 4 nothing going into the fifth, like I said. And then it was all downhill. Koji ended up giving the game, game-winning game run away. This collapse, man, though, that, that, that was the end of it for me. I saw that happen, and look, that was me saying, uh-oh, window shut. I think the window still is shut. I don't think they're going to have a chance to make the playoffs, let alone win the division. Um, this team's having a rough time, and that I know last week might be a little spark, especially what I'm going to talk about in a second with the Angels, the athletic series, but it's a struggle. It's a big struggle, so... I think that, I don't know, that that, that collapse just kind of hurt. It hurt. It hurt big time. And you're going into Friday, June 5th now, playing the A's, start a three-game series. Jeff said they'd sweep. They ended up sweeping. 4-2 win against the A's. Wade Miley gets the win. You go against Scott Kazmir against the loss. You avoided Sonny Gray in this um, series, which was huge. Koji got his second, his 12th save of the year. Friday got his 13th save of the year on Saturday, winning both identical by 4-2 yeah, scores. Uh, Kelly had a decent outing on Saturday, which earned him the right to stay in the rotation, which moved Stephen Wright to the bullpen, which I'm going to get to probably in a minute here. But I like the move. Stephen Wright belongs in the bullpen, I think, with this rotation. And Eduardo Rodriguez in the mix, which he should be. Joe Kelly's more of a starter than Stephen Wright is, I think. Like Again, like Ben Shapiro mentioned earlier in when we talked to him, it's nice to put a knuckleball out there. You get a couple innings here and a couple innings there if you get a couple bad starts from your rotation, which you're going to get. Guys, listen up. It's it's happening. This rotation isn't going to consistently pitch well. You've seen it all year. So it's a good thing to have someone like that who, who's proven himself as a starter but can also pitch well coming out of the bullpen and have a little um, inconsistency with his pitches in terms of, and for a good reason, though. Like, the batters aren't going to be able to figure him out right away. And if he goes one, or, one time through the rotation in a couple innings, 
they won't be able to figure it out in time. And by the time they do, he won't be in anymore. And you'll be at your like inning guys, Tommy Lane, Koji, uh, all those guys, Tazawa. So you'll be into those guys. So I think it's a good move. Um, and then Sunday, yesterday, June 7th. Whew, man, was it rough game um, to watch for most of it. It was boring. It was meh. It was gross. It was kind of a sluggish along. Red Sox fans left early. Fenway Park, you, you feel bad for that one after you realize what you did. But I think the problem is they they just didn't seem interested. And then all of a sudden, you go into the eighth inning and you make that comeback. You score seven runs. You're down 4 nothing going into that eighth inning. Led off by a Ruzne Castillo homer, which got the spark plugs going. Then... You get you eventually get you lead to a Xander Bogarts um, double off the Green Monster. That is that, that's the turning point for Xander. He's been hitting so well, and like I mentioned to Ben, I'd rather him hit higher. But the spark that you saw that kid have when he got to second usually that kid's pretty mundane and boring. And I'm going to talk about more about that in a minute. But he that was a huge coming out hit for him. It, it able you're able to get right the win in the long relief situation. But I think the big thing was Xander Bogarts go ahead two run double. Um, eight hits in the comeback. Uh, Pat Vendette, the ambidextrous uh, pitcher, came in to end the get the last out, which I do want to talk about that too in a second because that was cool to watch this weekend. You know, I haven't seen that that often, but um, you got Pat Vendette this weekend who got who pitches from both sides. He has a multi-use glove, two thumb holes, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, so the Red Sox ended the week five and three. Uh, good stats there. My MVP for the week. Who did I write down here? Of course, it was Dustin Pedroia, by far. Guy's raking right now, hitting in the leadoff spot. 483 last week, uh, home run, two ribbies, 19 total bases, and seven runs. And the key stat there, folks, and the reason why he's my MVP, one along with the average, but whew, the seven runs. He has come in seven times in the last week, and that means he's doing his job as a leadoff hitter. Getting on base, allowing uh, whoever's hitting second at that time to get on as well, and allow your Ortiz's, Hanley's, Pablo's, Naps, Bogarts, whoever's up next, to get to knock him in. That's what he's there for, to get on base, start a rally going, and everyone else kind of falls suit after that. So him being scored seven times in the last week is a big thing for me, and it means he's really doing his job, and it's a big thing for this team moving forward. And that's why I don't think he's going to be out of the leadoff hitter. I think Dustin Pedroia is your leadoff hitter now for moving on. He's, his average has skyrocketed since then. Um, Mookie Betts has proved he can't do it as of right now. He wasn't even playing the other night, hitting seventh when he is playing. So... I think this team has figured it out. they got to keep him up there hitting leadoff, but that's my MVP, and that's your Red Sox recap for the week. Um, again, great week. Jess proved it right. I'll give you credit, Jess. You're welcome. 5-2 uh, um, in the week. Hopefully they can move it forward here. We'll pre- I'll preview the week in just a little bit at the end of the sh- towards the end of the show. But uh, let's move on here. I do want to talk about... Um, what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about Xander Bogart. That's what I want to talk about. And the fact that this kid is just... Um, he is raking, he's coming into his own, I'm not going to say he's in his prime yet, I won't go that far, everyone, so calm your, calm your horses there, but I think this kid is is showing why they got they hung on to him, and they really didn't want to trade him when they when Cole Hamill's situations came up, when they, the reason why they were willing to get rid of Jose Iglesias last year, when they traded for Jake Peavy for their end of the deal, um, when they helped Jake Peavy come in here for a World Series run in 2013, I, I I don't know. I just think this kid is coming around. Look, he's hitting. He's killing it right now. Um, he's coming in his own. He had the, he had that two uh, two base hit that came in with the two RBIs to give the Red Sox the lead in the comeback against the A's in, on Sunday. And this kid's coming into his own. And I think the biggest thing for me is this kid is always so um, 
mundane and just kind of like meh. He's like kind of like a n- neutral face to himself in terms of he doesn't really get too emotional, whether it's something good or bad. But there's a picture floating around the internet, and it's on a lot of places. I'm looking at a Herald article right now in the Boston Herald. Um, and it's just a picture of him, Hanley, screaming with his hands up after hitting that double. He was looking at his teammates in the Red Sox dugout and getting his team jacked. He's the type of guy, It's not like Mike Napoli gets all jacked. David Ortiz gets his team jacked when he gets big hits. People like that, you always see Jake Peavy swearing at himself on the mound, getting his team, trying to get himself and his team going. Sander Bogarts needs to be that guy because that's what they – the expectations are for him, and I think he's finally meeting those expectations. He was jacked after hitting that double, and in most ballparks, like like Ben said earlier, that would probably go out, but still, took a double off the wall, knowing it was going off the wall, easily got to second, which allowed him to score again later in the next at-bat, um, but this and that helped the base runners. They knew that was going off the wall. It easily two runs scored on that one. Um, he was fired up. He's got a little emotional. This this club's getting some fire, and I think it's going to be led by Bogarts. Um, he's had some expectations here to be the guy and to play like the Jimmy Rollinses, the Escobars, or the Royals, all these guys. Um, I think he's finally coming into it. David Ortiz came out and said, I'm not surprised by the way he's playing, and I know he's going to get even better. Um, he hasn't even walked into his private, and it's true. Poppy's right. Uh, speaking of Poppy, side note, he's in a great Dunkin' Donuts commercial series with Gronk right now, the Patriots. Came out today. He's got, They're releasing him all summer. Um, he, he tweeted out the link, too. It's a great little spoof music video. It's absolutely hilarious. You should go check it out. Um, I couldn't stop laughing at work earlier. But uh, um, he, back to Xander Bogarts, man, he is killing it in every which way. And I think that moving forward, he's going to be the catalyst. And moving forward, I want him to be moved up. And this is where I disagree with Ben and what he said earlier when we talked to him. He said it's okay with players to be moved down in the lineup and not have the young kids putting up in the top of the lineup. But when you're having them hit below Pablo Sandoval and Mike Napoli, who can't get out of their own damn way, it is okay to put them up there and let them hit and let the kid hit. He's been in, he's been in big pressure situations in the 2013 World Series, and he came through. And that's when we saw, oh, this kid's going to be good. Last year he struggled, but he wasn't completely healthy a whole year. Then he got screwed up with that whole Stephen Drew situation coming in. Defensively, that kid is so much better already as well. But that's all another argument. Offensively, this kid is raking, and I'd rather have him be behind Hanley and supporting Hanley and being Hanley's insurance in the lineup than flipping Mike Napoli who's hitting two-something, Pablo Sandoval who can't get out of his own head, and then who else is going to be behind him? You have Mookie Betts, you have Sandy Leone or whoever, uh, Swihart. No, Xander Bogart should be hitting fifth, if not second. I think if Brock Holt's not in the lineup, Xander Bogart should be your two-hitter. And Mookie Betts should be down hitting sixth if you're not going to let someone else hit fifth. Ideally, Xander Bogart should be hitting fifth, but man, dude, I would love for him to see get more at-bats. The more at-bats he gets, the more he's flourishing. He went for that streak 0 for 12 uh, before he started hitting well again in the last couple weeks here. He wasn't hitting high enough in the order then, and now he's going to, and he started putting him higher in the, higher in the lineup. This kid needs to play more. He, not play more. He's playing every day. He needs to hit more. He needs more at-bats. The more at-bats he gets, the more situations like that you're going to see. Especially where if you let Pedroia lead off, get him on base, Xander Bogart's right behind him, get him on base, or even let Pedroia score, depending on the situation. Then you have more situations where you can get up. And then if you have Hanley on hitting fourth and you have Bogart's hitting fifth, you're able to allow him to get more to RBI situations. If you have him hitting behind Sandoval and Napoli, what if Sandoval or Napoli leads off whoever's hitting fifth and he's hitting seventh? Then what? You have a guy who's hot coming up with two outs. And nobody on? What's that going to do for you? Huh? You listening, John Farrell? What's that going to do for you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
I'm, this is the biggest pet peeve, and I've, I, I've wanted him to hit higher so much more. And all year he's been hitting better. And it isn't even just since he came out of that 0-12 funk. Like I said, he, he's been hitting well for a while now. He should be rewarded for it. Pablo Sandoval doesn't deserve to come back after two games of clearing his head and just go back to hitting six. He needs to be shown that he's not going to be guaranteed to hit in his normal spot. Hit him seventh. Let him figure it out. Prove it. Make him prove it. Make him have those. If you're so sure that you're going to get RBI situations there too, let him have those situations. Put Xander Bogarts on. Knock, have him knock some Hanley and Ortiz in in Napoli. And then have Pablo Sandoval, who hasn't been hitting well, as a bonus, knock some more runs in. Do it that way. And then if he starts to hit better, then sure, switch it back, whatever. But there's no way you should be punishing Xander and hitting him seven. I do believe it's a punishment. And I think John Farrell's screwing up royally, and I'm, I'm all for still firing Farrell. I don't think he's the right manager for this club. I think the spark on this team is going to come from the players, not the manager. And I, I'm so, solely set on that. But uh, enough of my Xander Bogarts, right? I'll move on. It's a lot to talk about when I, when I talk about Xander Bogarts. But um, before I talk about anything else here, Red Sox Nation... I want to get to the fantasy segment here. Even though Jess isn't here, I'm going to quickly give you a couple names before we move on. Uh, my two names are, one I mentioned in MLB headlines, Carlos Carrera, shortstop of the Houston Astros, 44% owned in all of, uh, I believe it was Yahoo Leagues. I got him early, thank God. Um, I would go get him. Go get him now. He just got called up. Uh, by the time you might listen to this, he might already be gone in your league. But this kid's going to be able to rake. Um, don't expect too much right away, first couple games. But first couple weeks, he's gonna, you're going to notice a huge difference. And I expect to be able to play him every day at shortstop in your fantasy lineup or utility role even um, from now on. So definitely go get him. Um, my second guy is going to be Trevor May of the Twins. He is only 4% owned. And um, the reason why I want him is because he is this year's Phil Hughes, not the crap version of Phil Hughes, the uh, the good version, last year's version of Phil Hughes. Um, he gets strikes, uh, he gets batters out when needed, and he's good for innings. Really good for innings. He's young. He's pitching well this year, and I'm pretty much he's pretty much guaranteed to be available. So if if unless your league is in the four percent of people who actually own him on a team, uh, be that guy. Be the guy who hits on Trevor May. I promise you, you won't regret it. So definitely go out and check him as well. And playing for a hot uh, Twins team, so you can get some wins out of him as well because they're still leading the AL Central somehow, um, with led by veteran leadership like Tory Hunter and Phil Hughes. So uh, definitely consider. Trevor May for wins, innings, and definitely strikeouts. Um, so yeah, so my two, Carlos Carrera, big time shortstop, gonna get you, gonna get you hits, gonna get you runs, and the depth of the batting average will be up there once he starts hitting more. And of course, the Twins, uh, Trevor May, young guy, four percent, he's gonna be available. If he's not available, let me know on social media at Red Sox beat, um, and I'll apologize on Twitter in person, even maybe for my personal handle if he really wasn't available. So um, yeah, those are your two. Uh, Ads for me on this this week's fantasy edition here on Red Sox Beat for CNS Radio. Of course, my name is Jared Scally. Um, Jess Thomas, usually my co-host, not here this week. So if you if you think you're hearing me a lot and you're going crazy, you're not. I'm the only one talking this week. So uh, hopefully, I'm I'm doing okay here on my own. Um, now scratch that. I know I'm doing well on my own. I can be cocky about it. Um, that being said, let's move on here. Another thing I want to get to is the All Star voting. Because Red Sox fans, where are you at? I just saw the MLB Relations Twitter just re-released the most up-to-date um, stats for the All-Star voting. And Red Sox fans, man, you're slacking. You guys are all slacking, myself included. I, I'm, I'm right there in it. But um, let's see here. Let me pull it up. I had it, I had it on my Twitter. Let me go find it. Here we go. Here it is. All right. 
First baseman, we got all-star votes. Eric Hosmer leads the way for the Royals. Not a single Red Sox on that list. Uh, second baseman, Jose Altuve of the Astros, of course, leads that list with Omar Infante, Infante right behind him. Dustin Pedroia is fourth. With the year that he's having, he belongs up there. Only 726,000 votes. Get on that, Red Sox nation. Uh, third baseman, Pablo Sandoval is third, somehow. That one I actually don't get. That one's name. Josh Donaldson is second. And Mike Moustakis is first. The Royals are just smoking away with this, by the way. Royals are leading first baseman, third baseman, shortstop votes, DH votes, outfielders votes, and the catcher's votes. They're, they're, they're going to basically be the Royals starters, except for maybe Altuve at second base. And you never know, because Infante's not that far behind. Um, so third base is Mike Moustakis. Escobar is leading at shortstop. Um, Jose Iglesias... Is second there for the Tigers, so good for you guys on the Red Sox trade, which I still didn't mind. Uh, DH, David Ortiz is fourth, a, uh, even below A-Rod at third. Come on, guys, get him above A-Rod. Not even 100,000 votes behind A-Rod. Go get him out of there. Uh, catchers, you got Salvador Perez, of course, with the Royals leading the way by like 2 million votes. He'll get that. No Red Sox on that list, obviously. Um, only outfielder on the voting for the Red Sox is Hanley Ramirez, and he's the worst one we have. So that one's by name. Uh, Royals, Lorenzo Cain, Alex Gordon, Alex Rios, top three out of four with Mike Trout there at second. So looks like... And Rios hasn't even played. That's what I don't get. Why is Rios there? He hasn't really played. Um, but either way, he's fourth for the All-Star voting, so he'll probably be on the team. Adam Jones, fifth at the Orioles. So Royals are cleaning house there in the American League. But my point of this reading, mumbling off all these stats for you is um, why... Why are they so low? Is it a disinterest from Red Sox fans? Is it a disinterest from everyone? Is it because they're bad, or is it just because Red Sox fans don't care? Is there a problem? Is there an issue with the amount of Red Sox fans that we have in Boston and that who care about this team? Um, would we be seeing a trend if it was the same exact players only they were playing well and maybe leading the division or in the hunt? If they weren't eight or whatever five and a half games out of first place, would this team have more votes in the first, in the All Star game? I believe so. I feel like. This team isn't popular because they suck, and they're not consistent. And like that's like most things in the Boston media, to be completely honest, in the Boston market. we you're, you, These teams are expected to win around here, Red Sox included. And if you're not going to win, team, we're not going to pay attention. Look, the Patriots' OTAs were getting more um, speculation, more headlines, more press time than the Red Sox games because no one wanted to watch the Red Sox games because they haven't done well. Um Granted, the NFL is a whole other monster, and it's 24-7. The Red Sox aren't getting the light of day because they're not playing well, and they're inconsistent. And that's probably why they're not getting their all-star votes. So, And then the ones who are, like Hanley, who's on that list, Sandoval, Pedroia, they're off of name. Pedroia is the only one on that list who actually belongs on those lists as a Red Sox player. So I'm not going to stay on it too long. I just wanted to bring it up because I really think it's a problem, and I think that it kind of shows what Red Sox Nation, where Red Sox Nation is at. It's a matter of, I don't think it's as, there's many diehards out there as people claim there are, and I'm calling people out right now. I don't think there are diehard fans out there. At least, as, not, I'm not saying at all. Don't All you diehard fans, don't come after me on social media. I'm saying, then people claim they're going to be. There are a lot more Pink Hat fans than people think. There are a lot less diehard fans of this team than people think. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of the many diehards. But I think that there's some Pink Hat fans out there more than none, more than less, who just don't care unless the team's doing well, which is fine. I, I respect that. Most sports are like that. But 
is that's a problem because these players deserve to be in the All-Star game, especially Bogarts deserves to be at least in the running now. Uh, Dustin Pedroia definitely believe, deserves to be top two. I don't know about behind, in front of Altuve just because of what he's done for the Astros consistently all year. But either way, I think that it's been it's becoming a problem. But I'm not going to stay on that too long. I'm going to move on here. Um, going to get to previewing of the week. Before I do that, I just want to talk about um, Verdite. Uh, Verditti? I think that's how you say it. I don't even know. Of the A's, he pitched this weekend. The ambidextrous guy. You know who I'm talking about. You saw him pitch. You, I was intrigued. Every time I saw him, his name come up, I just thought, oh, I got to be in front of the TV. I got to be there to watch it. It was awesome. Um, Pat Verdite, or Verdite. Um, dude can throw, too. He's consistent. It was kind of funny. Nesson threw up a graphic when he was warming up. Took the video of him warming up lefty and righty, and it said pitchers warming up, and it had the same pitcher, left-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher. I thought it was kind of cute. Um, but... The guy can throw, and I hope he has a career because he came in here and got some key outs for the A's. Uh, he came in to stop that bleeding in the uh, the inning that the Red Sox came back in the eighth uh, against when they did eventually come back, but he got them out of that inning. Guy can pitch. It was a cool situation when the first time we saw him, came in second batter, um, I believe it was Friday night when we saw him, and he was coming up against Swihart, and he came up with the glove on his right hand looking like he was going to pitch lefty and then he switched it and he wanted to pitch righty to Swihart so then Swihart had to run back and get the other uh get his lefty batter's helmet and then decide all this stuff and the rule on that if you don't know is basically if you have to the pitcher has to tell the ump what the arm they're throwing with distinctively like hold it out and show him hey I'm pitching with my left hand or hey I'm pitching with my right hand before he gets on the rubber and then the batter can step in. If he's pitching a switch hitter, then the batter makes the decision after that the pitcher clearly dignifies which arm he's throwing with. And then after one pitch at the at-bat, the bat the pitcher is allowed to switch once which hand he throws with. So, like, say it's a 2-1 count and you want to switch to his left hand instead of throwing righty, he could do that. And then Swihart's allowed to switch sides if he wants to. And after that, you have to stay. And you can you can only switch once. But that's the ruling on that. And I thought it was pretty cool to see in person. I didn't want to, but I didn't want to like sit on it too long, but I think it'd be cool to see him get make a little bit of a career here with the A's. I don't know. I don't, I'm assuming he's pitching with the A's because they have nothing else to lose, because they're terrible, as you saw by them getting swept by the Red Sox this weekend. So, I think overall, it's a cool thing to see, and I think you're going to see less and less of it. Obviously, but the the glove's cool. It's got two thumb holes. It's got really. It's got less webbing, which is kind of a pain for pitchers. But how often does he really need the webbing when he's um, when he's pitching? So, I think in my eyes, it's still. A big thing, and I think it's cool to see. But uh, let's move on here before I get out of here. Before I leave you a do for the week, I want to preview this week a little bit here. Um, we got three games against at Baltimore, like I was talking about Ben Shapiro earlier, and three at home against the Blue Jays. Now, my prediction for this week is they're going to win two out of three from Baltimore and win two out of three from the Jays. Yeah, I said it. I'm going Jess's optimism this week. It's rubbing off on me. Jess, if you're listening to this show this week, your optimism is rubbing off. Um... So two out of three from Baltimore, two out of three from the Jays means they're going four and two this week in their six games. They got tonight, Monday night off, um, which is well-deserved. But so, yeah, so I have them going two out of three against Baltimore. Pitchers for this week are going to be uh, Rodriguez, Porcello, and Miley in the at Baltimore. Then you got Kelly, Buckholz, and Rodriguez going again um, against the Blue Jays since they got away from the six-man rotation. I'm okay with Erod being the guy who goes twice. 
Because out of everyone in this rotation, between Porcello, Miley, Kelly, and Buckholes, I don't want any of them pitching twice in a week if I don't have to. And Erod's the guy right now who who is pitching well, so it works out well that he's going to be the guy who gets two starts this week. Um, I expect him to be uh, the MVP of the pitching staff this week um, because he gets two starts. I won't even go based off innings. I'm just going to go based off of he's probably going to give up the fewest runs, and that's with two starts because this rotation's been awful. Look for Porcel to bounce back against Baltimore, and they're a struggling Baltimore team as of right now being in last place behind the Red Sox. So, well, technically they're tied, but percentage points get them ahead. So realistically, they're like the same. But look for Rick Porcello to have a decent start because he hasn't. he's had more decent starts than none. Got rocked last time out, but um, look for him to bounce back. Wade Miley's been okay, so look for him to be okay. Joe Kelly... Got, earned himself another start, and that would be against L- Toronto, but I don't expect him to play well against, pitch well against Toronto because Toronto has a good lineup. So look for that. Buckholz gets another start against Toronto, and then, of course, Erod winds it down. So that's your pitching matchups, uh, at least for the Red Sox. Um, players to watch for the other teams, I think it's just kind of the obvious ones for the Baltimore. I think it's Baltimore's it's Adam Jones because the guy's been on a tear. Fourth in the all-star voting for uh, outfielders. Or fifth, fifth, excuse me, fifth, I said. Um, guy can play, always has, always can. Um, big leading catalyst for that offense there uh, with Crush Davis. Um, Chris Davis, if you don't know the nickname by now. Um, for the Blue Jays series, obviously look out for Josh Donaldson playing a great third base right now and hitting well as always. And I'm looking for Russell Martin to have a good series too. And I know he, he's been struggling as of late. I would know he's on my fantasy team. Ugh. Crap. I'm sticking with him, though, because I think he's struggling as of late. Look for him to break out, especially potentially against the Joe Kelly game, in the Joe Kelly game, Clay Buckholz game, maybe even against Erod. He has had a good year so far against the Red Sox, so I expect him to bounce back at least end of the week. So if you have a fantasy, too, I would keep. I would just ride him out. He's a good He's a good option there as catcher. Um, so definitely look for him there and look for especially Russell Martin to bounce back. But, um, again, that's your preview of this week coming up. Again, I expect the Red Sox to go win two out of three in both, so go four and two on the week on their six games and hopefully four and two gets you a cu- up a couple games closer to first place in the division look there's no way around this that the division is a struggle and you don't know how long the Yankees are going to stay up there right now they're five and a half games up on us they're, I think I believe they're a game and a half up on Tampa but the Red Sox are it's a long shot for them to win look the Red Sox um, according to Red Sox stats the Red Sox need to win 80 80- with 86 to win the division with 86 games, the Red Sox need to go 60 and 44 the rest of the way, which is a long shot as itself. And then the Yankees, Rays, O's, and J's, yeah, the rest of the division has to go 53 and 52. So, and that's according to Red Sox stats again. You can follow them on Twitter at Red Sox stats too. They're good stuff. Um, yeah, that ain't happening, folks. So hopefully, maybe um, you get some good baseball to watch. They stay competitive um, and maybe make it worth watching through September. But they're not making the playoffs. I'm already shutting the window on this one. It's going bye-bye. The window is shut, uh, and I'm latching it shut, man. I'm latching it shut all the way. They're done. I'll sit here and talk about them. I'll be optimistic. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If they come in and take a crowbar to my window and prop it open again, then God bless them. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think that window is bolted tight and shut with steel rods until next next season. So, um, But, again, even the trade deadline is intriguing. It's coming up next month, and they have to make some moves, even if it's not for this year. they got to get some good players in so that next year they don't have to rehaul again during the winter. They need some compliment pieces. They need to go out and get pitching at the trade deadline. They need to do a lot, and that's why I don't think that they're going to really work it out and really figure themselves out in enough time. But, again, that's it for me this week. Um, Had a good show this week. Again, I want to thank Ben Shapiro of MassLive.com coming on with us to talk. Um, Red Sox, of course. You can find him on Twitter at Red Sox Monster. 
He thinks they can turn it around. He thinks Mike Napoli's okay, going to stay, stay steady. I, I don't know if I agree with him on that one, and I think Xander Bogart should be in, hitting higher. He doesn't also agree with that one. But, um, again, I want to thank Ben for coming on to the show. Sports fans, want to engage with your favorite CLNS personalities? Download the Reached app today for both iPhone and Android. Are you a fan of the Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, or Patriots? Of course you are. Make your voice heard. Join your favorite show, and our host will ask the questions. Maybe your answer will get heard on air. Download the Reached app today at www.reachedapp.com backslash CLNS. Have any questions about it? Want to learn how it works? Get in contact with myself. Um or Jess Thomas, who is in charge of Reached for us on Twitter. Get, hit the new email up at redsoxbeatclns at gmail.com. We're now on Tumblr, so search for us there. Of course, Google Plus still as well, and on Facebook. bunch of places uh, you can find us, of course, right on the website as well. And please don't forget, if you haven't already, go share us on iTunes. Go rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes big time. We we're looking for some more subscriptions there, so please go check us out. Um, and that's about it. That's all I got for you this week. So until next week, I hope the Red Sox do well. Enjoy the rest of this off night. Enjoy the week of baseball ahead. Hopefully Erod has some good starts. And Jess will be back next week. Programming note as well. Uh, until next week, though, this has been Red Sox Beat on Sealness Radio. See ya.